Chapter 3 of Explanation of Catholic Morals. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Explanation of Catholic Morals by John H. Stapleton. Conscience. The will of God, announced to the world at large, is known as the law of God manifested to each individual soul it is called conscience these are not two different rules of morality but one and the same rule the latter is a form or copy of the former one is the will of god the other is its echo in our souls we might fancy god at the beginning of all things speaking his will concerning right and wrong in the presence of the myriads of souls that lay in the state of possibility and when in the course of time these souls came into being with unfailing regularity at every act conscience like a spiritual photograph gives back his accents and re-echoes it is lawful or it is not lawful or to use another simile conscience is the compass by which we steer aright our moral lives toward the haven of our soul's destination in eternity but just as behind the mariner's compass is the great unseen power called attraction under whose influence the needle points to the star so does the will or law of god control the action of the conscience and direct it faithfully towards what is good we have seen that in order to prevaricate it is not sufficient to transgress the law of god we must know conscience makes us know it is only when we go counter to its dictates that we are constituted evildoers. And at the bar of God's justice, it is on the testimony of conscience that sentence will be passed. Her voice will be that of a witness present at every deed, good or evil, of our lives. Conscience should always tell the truth, and tell it with certainty practically this is not always the case we are sometimes certain that a thing is right when it is really wrong there are therefore two kinds of conscience a true and a certain conscience and they are far from being one and the same thing a true conscience speaks the truth that is tells us what is truly right and truly wrong it is a genuine echo of the voice of god a certain conscience whether it speaks the truth or not, speaks with assurance, without a suspicion of error, and its voice carries conviction. When we act in accordance with the first, we are right. We may know it, doubt it, or think it probable, but we are right in fact. When we obey the latter, we know, we are sure that we are right, but it is possible that we be in error. A true conscience, therefore, may be certain or uncertain, a certain conscience may be true or erroneous a true conscience is not the rule of morality it must be certain it is not necessary that it be true although this is always to be desired and in the normal state of things should be the case but true or false it must be certain the reason is obvious god judges us according as we do good or evil our merit or demerit is independent upon our responsibility we are responsible only for the good or evil we know we do 
knowledge and certainty come from a certain conscience and yet not from a true conscience which may be doubtful now suppose we are in error and think we are doing something good whereas it is in reality evil we perceive no malice in the deed and in performing it there is consequently no malice in us we do not sin the act is said to be materially evil but formally good and for such evil god cannot hold us responsible suppose again that we err and that the evil we think we do is really good in this instance first the law of morality is violated a certain though erroneous conscience this is sinful secondly a bad motive vitiates an act even if the deed in itself be good consequently we incur guilt in god's wrath by the commission of such a deed which is materially good but formally bad one may wonder and say how can guilt attach to doing good guilt attaches to formal evil that is evil that is shown to us by our conscience and committed by us as such the wrong comes not from the object of our doing which is good but from the intention which is bad it is true that nothing is good that is not thoroughly good that a thing is bad only when there is something lacking in its goodness that evil is a defect of goodness but formal evil alone can be imputed to us and material cannot the one is a conscious the other an unconscious defect here an erroneous conscience is obeyed there the same conscience is disregarded and that kind of conscience is the rule of morality to go against it is to sin there are times when we have no certitude the conscience may have nothing to say concerning the honesty of a cause to which we are about to commit ourselves this state of uncertainty and perplexity is called doubt to doubt is to suspend judgment a dubious conscience is one that does not function in doubt the question may be to do is it right or wrong may i perform this act or must i abstain therefrom in this case we inquire whether it be lawful or unlawful to go on but we are sure that it is lawful not to act there is but one course to pursue we must not commit ourselves and must refrain from acting until such a time at least as by inquiring and considering we shall have obtained sufficient evidence to convince us that we may allow ourselves this liberty without incurring guilt if on the contrary while still doubting we persist in committing the act we sin because in all affairs of right and wrong we must follow a certain conscience as the standard of morality but the question may be to do or not to do which is right and which is wrong here we know which way to turn fearing evil in either alternative we must do one thing or the other there are reasons and difficulties on both sides we are unable to resolve the difficulties lay the doubt and form a sure conscience what must we do if all action can be momentarily suspended and we have the means of consulting we must abstain from action and consult if the affair is urgent and this cannot be done if we must act on the spot and decide for ourselves then we can make that dubious conscience prudently certain 
by applying this principle to our conduct of two evils choose the lesser we therefore judge which action involves the least amount of evil we may embrace the course thus chosen without a fear of doing wrong if we have inadvertently chosen the greater evil it is an error of judgment for which we are in no wise responsible before god but this means must be employed only where all other and surer means fail the certainty we thereby acquire is a prudent certainty and is sufficient to guarantee us against offending End of chapter 3